Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, tonight we come before you and we ask, oh Lord, that in your kindness and in your mercy, that in everything that you do tonight, in everything that you have determined to do, Father, let it come to pass. We ask, my Father, that you pour out your grace upon us all. We yield ourselves totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. We ask that he helps us and leads us into all truth tonight. We pray for his skill in articulating the word. We pray for his insight in revealing the word to your people. We pray for his brevity, his strength, his guidance as we go into the word tonight. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves totally to you tonight. Thank you for your kindness and thank you for your grace and mercy. We pause at this moment to agree with anyone believing God for a miracle. Before we start, we join our faith with yours and we ask that the Lord steps into your seasons and into your circumstances. We pray that you find strength and we pray that God intervenes. We pray that you have a testimony to tell. We speak life over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatsoever you may be going through, know that the Lord is there with you and he will not fail you nor forsake you. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going to pick up from where we left off last week. And I um, hope you enjoyed um, last week. And so we're going to pick up from there. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you could, in your Bibles, kindly turn with me as we look at another element of the Lord bringing in the new. Um, kindly turn with me in your Bible, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Um, 18 and 19. Right. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible. And it, it's um, a it's been our verse for a good couple of years. And if, if you're joining by podcast or this is your first time of joining, it, it will all become clear. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 reads as follows. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And ladies and gentlemen, as we come into tonight, as we come to look at this element of the Lord bringing in the new into our lives, and he is definitely doing something. We can say that without the shadow of a doubt. And so whether that is the Lord, wherever the Lord is leading you, ladies and gentlemen, we know the Lord is doing something. And this scripture is our foundational verse for tonight. 
the Bible says when God wants to bring the new in, he says, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. That means everything he has done thus far, he is about to do something new to make sure what he has promised you comes to pass. And the Bible says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. That's pretty clear. We understand that. And then he says, shall you not know it? That means you will pick it up, you will perceive it, and you will realize that it is there. But then the line, our focus for tonight is this line. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, this is our subject for tonight. And it is this, ladies and gentlemen, that whenever God wants to bring the new into the world, he will cause it to become a reality by an exertion of his power. That means when the Lord wants to bring the new into the world, he will make it a reality, make it a reality by exerting and uh, there will be a demonstration of his power it will be the lord will exercise his power and what he wants to happen will become a reality and so we're going to look at a couple of examples and then we're going to actually we're we're, we're going to look at a couple of examples first that when God wants to make something happen, he will literally exert his power. You can look at the many miracles that Jesus performed. That's one. But let's look at when God wants to bring the new into a person's life, when he wants to make something happen that has never happened before. We realize that he will always do so through an exertion of his own power and ability. And that's what I want us to, that's our focus for tonight. We realize that God is going to bring what he has promised you into reality by an exertion of his power. And that will happen in a, a, a range of ways. So let's look at some of the more popular ones. These will be very short skips across the Bible before we get to the meat of what we want. Well, before we go through our longer um, study but let's look at some of the the areas i mean there, there are variety let please turn in your bibles um turn with me to the book of genesis and we're going to look at genesis 21 reading from verse 1 and so the lord is has promised abraham you are going to have a child your wife that is barren i'm going to literally break that and it's going to come to pass but listen to genesis 21 verses 1 to 2 genesis 21 verses 1 to 2 the bible says the following and the lord visited sarah as he had said and the lord did unto sarah as he had spoken for sarah conceived and bare abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So ladies and gentlemen, we realize when God wanted to move Abraham from one phase of life to another, 
whereby he was he had promised that you will have a child. Everything else said it was not going to happen, but the Lord stepped in and by his power and ability, the ability to conceive and the ability to for them to have a child was given to Abraham and Sarah. So we realize that's our first example. Let's look at a couple. So we realize that this, and we'll look at differing ones, very differing ones. Now, please come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to the book of Genesis. And we're going to read from 41. And I'm going to pick up the narrative. I'll tell you, we know the story that Joseph has been in prison. God has given him a, a picture of his tomorrow. He said he had two dreams. One where all his um, all his brothers or their sheaves were bowing down to his sheep. And the second one was the star, the moon, and um, 11 stars were bowing down to his star. And that his, his brothers and his father realized that, does that mean you're going to rule over us? But that was the only picture that Joseph had. Joseph now finds himself in prison and he is accused of rape. He's in the Pharaoh's prison and he is, it looks like he is as far away from the fulfillment of what he had been promised as possible. But come, if we now turn to Genesis 41 and Pharaoh has a dream. And what we also realize, Pharaoh has a dream and he speaks to his servants and he says, nobody, no one um, can interpret the dream. So we will pick up the narrative. For those of you that don't know the story, Joseph has been in prison and he's taking care of Pharaoh's butler and he's taking care of Pharaoh's baker, both of whom had upset him and were put in jail. Pharaoh's baker, what Joseph told him that when you, at Pharaoh's going to lift up your head and you're going to be um, hung, Pharaoh's butler, he said, Pharaoh's going to restore you to your position and you're going to one more time put Pharaoh's cup into his hands. We are going to pick up the narrative from verse nine. Pharaoh has had his dream. He has spoken to all the wise men in Egypt. They cannot interpret the dream. And so we're going to pick up the narrative from verse nine. The Bible says, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh saying, I do remember my faults today. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in, in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night. I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. Verse 12. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him and he interpreted our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was me he restored unto mine office and him he had. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, the reason I wanted to pause here is this. Notice 
it took the power of God to ensure that Joseph was in the right place at the right time to help the butler. It also took the power of God who visited Sarah and Abraham. Now the power of God has arranged it that Joseph helps the butler and the baker and he makes sure that the butler is present when Pharaoh has a dream. And he then, it, then what happens is he also makes sure that Joseph has not been judged before Pharaoh has a dream. So ladies and gentlemen, what I wanted you to understand is the there will be differing expressions of the power of God when he wants to bring the new into your world. To continue Joseph's story, we could read it all, but I'll just give you a very brief summary. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He said, the Lord will give Pharaoh an, an answer of peace. And he interprets his dream and says, this is what it's about. And this is what you have to do in return. You have to find somebody, you've only got um, five, you've got seven years of famine coming, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine coming. And he tells him, this is what you need to do. Find somebody wise, find somebody who can order this, appoint officers over the land and gather enough to last for the next seven years of famine. And I'm going to read to you, ladies and gentlemen, from verse 38. And I'm doing this deliberately. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I'm at Genesis 41, verse 38. Genesis 41, verse 38. And the Bible says, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is and Pharaoh said unto Joseph for as much as God has showed thee all this there is none so discreet and wise as thou art thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne will I be greater than you thou and Pharaoh said unto Joseph see I have set thee over all the land of Egypt and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck, and made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Zaphanath Paneah, and he gave him to wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of Od. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, your circumstances are not the determinant factor of the Lord bringing the new in. So notice Joseph, 20 minutes before this statement, was a condemned prisoner. 
He was in a country where he was a foreigner. He had fallen from grace. It looked like his world had crumbled twice. And the Bible says, by the time Pharaoh had finished speaking, Joseph was now prime minister of the same country. A fun fact, and this is where I'll switch. A fun fact is his jailer or the person that put him in jail was Potiphar. Joseph would have had to walk past him on his way in. As Joseph walked past him on his way out, Potiphar had to bow. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I'm saying is when God wants to introduce the new into your life, he will exert a level of power so that that which has never been seen before will become a reality. But let's go back to the example that the Lord points to in Isaiah 43, verse 19. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis 14. In Genesis 14, uh, no, sorry, Exodus 14, my, my mistake, ladies and gentlemen. My mistake, Exodus chapter 14. Verse 12. Um, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll pick up the narrative from verse 12. The children of Israel have left Egypt. They have followed Moses. The, they, I mean, the Lord has delivered them from Egypt. That is an example of power that we've never seen. This was a full-on confrontation with Pharaoh. Moses, I, I mean, God through Moses literally decimated the entirety of not just Egypt, but all that they worship. The children of Israel are walking free for the first time. And the children of Israel, the children of Egypt now come after them to recapture them. It looks like they're trapped. And this is what happens. I'll read from 13. Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And may that be somebody's story, that the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. And the Bible then says in verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Why are you crying to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And the Bible then says, and I behold, I and I behold will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. The angel of the Lord, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry, dry land. And the waters were divided 
And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. The Lord made a way where there was no way. He separates the sea. He dries it sufficiently. Now, you do realize this is these are mind-boggling facts. He separates, he parts the sea, dries the ground out, which has never seen the sun. He dries it out sufficiently that three and a half million people, cattle, um, luggage, gold, wealth, can go through on dry ground. And the Bible says they go through on dry ground. The Egyptians try and follow them. When the, Egypt, when the Israelites are out of the sea, the Lord causes the sea to go back upon the Egyptians. And as Moses said, the Egyptians are never seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, notice it takes an exertion of power and control that is beyond the wildest imagination of man for God to do what we just read. Now, that is what God is saying about bringing in the new. He said, I will make a way in the wilderness and I will cause rivers to flow in the deserts. That means he said, I'm not only going to make a way in the sea, I'm now going to do it the other way around. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness, the place that's dry. I'm going to bring water where it was dry and my people will go free. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what God is saying about bringing in the new, that it's going to require a demonstration of power like it's never been seen before. This one, the power was not on the person. It was not in arrangement. It was in the circumstances. And let me say this over somebody's life. May your circumstances part so that that which God has planned for you becomes a reality, even if everything around you, listen to me carefully, even if everything around you is saying the opposite, God says, because I've decided to make the new happen, I will make it happen at my ability. Are we together? All right. So ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are. We will look at one more example because it's important. And then we will go to another text where we will break it down a little further. Now, come with me, please, to the New Testament, to Luke chapter one. And I'm going to pick up the narrative. The angel is speaking to Mary and he's telling Mary, this is what is going to happen. You, without being with a man, are going to have a child, and the child will be referred to as the Son of God. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, it is such a wonderful reading, and I'm, it's worth it. Let's go from Luke 1, verse 26. We will stop, ladies and gentlemen, at verse 38. The Bible says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her 
and said, Hail, thou art highly thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called Barak. Verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. The Bible says two key things, two very key things about what was said. The first thing he said in verse 30, he said, Mary, you have found favor with God. Meaning, you have done nothing on this side of the line to cause God to bless you in this way. It's just that God has chosen to have favor upon you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. Favor is where God causes things to happen the way he wants them to happen. Because he said it has is going to happen. And so out of many, you may be chosen, you may be selected, your project, your opportunity will become the one that is chosen. Not because it's the best, but because God causes them to favor you. And so that's the first thing I want you to remember. The second thing I want you to remember about the power of God, and this is where I wanted to go, the angel, verse 35, when Mary said, how will this thing be? The Bible says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Meaning, you don't have to do anything except agree. Mary says in verse 38, she says, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. The Bible says that's all she had to do. Nothing else. And so ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. The Bible says the miracle will happen not because you and I are amazing. The miracle will happen because the power of God will get it done. You and I 
just have to agree that God, you can get it done. And please keep that in mind. She had to do nothing else. All she had to do was it will be so. And off the angel goes, we don't know. We do not know what happened next. There were no lights. There were no shakings. There were no, no, it was the Lord said, this is going to happen. And by the power of his word, what he said became a reality. Now, I want you to understand this. Please remember, the Lord may be pointing you, ladies and gentlemen, to a new season, a new era, or a new area of life, achievement, work, whatsoever it may be. He may have promised you amazing things. He might be promising you something, or he will promise it to you tomorrow. That's fine. But listen to me carefully. The new will come into your life by an exertion of the power of God. Realizing that causes us to step back and say, God, I know what you're, ask or you're saying to me is impossible. I know what you're saying to me. All the signs do not agree. But my job is, I believe you. The rest is in your hands. And the Bible says every time that the Lord says it, every time you find it in the Bible, and this is what I wanted to explain before I go on to the next verse, is this. Before we make these categorical statements about this is how God does things, and this is how God does things, this is how we do it. We go through all the examples that we can find, some that the Holy Ghost shows us, some we find in a confidence, but we sit with the Bible and we go through all the examples and then the pattern becomes clear and we can then say in this situation this is what God will do and so ladies and gentlemen I would love you to incorporate that into your Bible study if you hear anything like from someone like me go and check it in the Bible find examples where the Lord did it find examples where the Lord delivered find examples where the Lord caused something that had never been seen before to come in you will notice the principles hold sway that God always does it by the exertion of his power and ability and so that's how we make these statements or that's how um people um in the position of teachers make these statements that this is what God will do this is what God will do it's not that we're special or unique it's just that the Bible presents that as the pattern the Holy Spirit allows us to notice that pattern and we can now declare it in faith and so I'm comfortable declaring over your life in faith that the Lord will cause the new season that he has promised you to become a reality through the exertion of his power he will exert his power Okay, now let's look at one more. Let's look at the place where the Bible says this is the greatest exertion of power that is in the Bible. So let's look at where the Bible said that. Let's see. So, ladies and gentlemen, kindly come with me to Ephesians chapter one. And we are going to pick up the narrative from verse 17. It's a very popular verse. And so it's one of those that we, I honestly encourage you to pray over yourselves. But Ephesians 1 verse 17. And the Bible's, and I, let's read it from 1 to 20, 17 to 23. And let's look at that. 
And the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is praying for the, the church at Ephesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible here says a couple of things. The first thing Paul prays, and I'll, and I'll let's break it down in stages. The first thing that Paul prays is that God will grant you the spirit of wisdom. It's not today's sermon, so I'm not going to elaborate them too much or, or, or greatly. The spirit of wisdom, that is so that you have the capacity to understand and apply things the way God understands them and applies things. And that's the beautiful thing about wisdom. Then he says, and revelation in the knowledge of him. That means God will reveal to you exactly who Jesus is, why Jesus is, what he came to do. And it will change your life because it will, because that then our lives will become like Jesus's life. And that's a change. The Bible says the combination of those two things will produce understanding. That means we will understand this is why God wants something done. We will understand the methods, the protocols, the guidelines, the things that others can't see, whereby we would understand and realize this is how God wants to do something. Understanding is quite amazing. But then he said that you may know. And then he lists three things. The first one is that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That means when God called you and I, he had an expectation and an end in mind. God did not call you and I for nothing. He didn't. He didn't do so. He didn't call you and then started thinking, what should I do with this wonderful child of mine? Uh, let me find. No, no, no. He had a picture very clear that there's a hope and an expectation that when you come to the kingdom, there is an impact that you are going to make. Now, the second thing that the Bible says that you would come to know is this the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand, you ladies and gentlemen are the vehicle that is going to glorify God on the earth. Your life, your actions, your thoughts, your family, your business, your walk with God, your skills, your abilities, that are the vehicles that God is going to use to glorify himself. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. That means God's going to work through you and the outcome 
will give the glory to God, but the earthly rewards will come to you. So when you write the book and it becomes a bestseller, you will give the glory to God. The income will come to you. When your family does amazingly well and, and your, your children succeed and you succeed and your marriage succeeds, yes, the blessings are yours. You can go home to a really wonderful home, but the glory will go to God. So the people around your family will realize, so this is what a godly family looks like. This is what godly children look like. So ladies and gentlemen, the glory will go to God, but the rewards will come to you. Okay, so keep that in mind. The next thing I want, he says, is this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To usward who believe. And then he says, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. And then he goes on to explain when he raised him from the dead and placed him where he is now. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest exertion of power in scripture. That's why God said, this is the benchmark that when you're thinking of how much power is available to you when you choose to believe God, the Lord said the benchmark, the amount, this is the, this is the standard. He said, let me go to the highest level, raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, please keep this in mind, raising him from the dead seating him at his own right hand, placing him in a position of authority, giving him a name above all names, putting all things under his feet. But notice what he said. He said, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Meaning when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised everybody else that would believe in Jesus Christ into a newness of life. He literally redeemed mankind from total judgment. It's a, the exertion of power is beyond thinking. But it wasn't just raising him from the dead and Jesus began to walk around for the next 50 years. No, he literally seated him in a place so that everybody who comes to God through him is fine. He said, in him will the promises be settled. Your access to the Father, it is through Jesus Christ. Who you are in Christ, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What, the, what I'm saying is, God literally picked up the entire human race and said, let me put you back on track. And the Bible says that is the level of power available to you when you believe God. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize, and I'm, I'm going to go into this a little bit more so it's clear. What God did in Jesus Christ's resurrection for you and I is beyond words because the Bible says, and please, I'm going to go there. Come with me to Ephesians chapter two, and I'm going to pick up um, 
listen carefully. I'm going to read from verse 4, Ephesians 2 verse 4. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Ladies and gentlemen, God loves you. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and hath, listen carefully, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through G Christ Jesus. Verse eight is the most famous verse. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ladies and gentlemen, notice when God raises Jesus from the dead, he raises you and I from the dead. And the Bible says when God places Jesus in a position of authority, he places you and I in a position of authority. And Jesus said that means when you use my name, it's exactly the same as if I am standing there. You are not a victim, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not the subject of tonight's Bible study. I really hope you enjoy that fact, but listen carefully. What God did when he raised Jesus from the dead is the greatest exertion of power in history. He pulled us back because everything that wanted to stop you now had a single point of failure. As long as they could stop Jesus coming back from the dead, they've won. So there was nothing else. There was nothing else to do. There was no other plan. It was let's focus on this one thing. And they failed. There is nothing that God has promised you that they are going to stop. Listen to me very carefully. An exertion of power is going to usher in the new in your life. God, Jesus didn't raise himself. God went and got him, raised him up by the power of his spirit and pulled Jesus back after all had been paid. He raised him from the dead. It was 100% God the Father. Listen to me very carefully. If God did that for Jesus, there is nothing that he has promised you that he will not do in return. But I want to drive the point home a little bit more. I really want to drive the point home. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, so we understand the magnitude of what God has done in Christ Jesus. Revelations chapter five. I'm going to go straight to five because we have a limited amount of time. Well, actually, we've got a little bit of leeway because we did start late, but we've got a limited amount of time. So what did God do when he raised Jesus from the dead? We already know he gave him an amazing, absolutely. He gave him a name that is above every name. 
That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. We know for a fact that everything that God has was transferred into the safe care of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. We also know that all the promises of God that concern you and I, that means any action that God has promised to do based upon his personality, character, and the covenant he has with us, he placed into the care of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. We realize that anything, any time that you and I fall out of fall um fall out of line with God and we fall into sin, he ensured that in Jesus Christ we can come straight back as if it never happened. First John chapter one verses eight and nine. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, what God did for you and I in Jesus Christ is the greatest exertion of power in the universe. And that's the kind of power he said is at your disposal. Because the Bible says it's available to you if you believe. If you believe. So let's look at the full expression of that. Revelations chapter five, I'm going to pick up the narrative, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to read through it. I, I'm, I'm going to pick up the narrative. Actually, I'm going to go straight to verse 12. Okay. I'm going to go straight to verse 12. The Bible says, saying with a loud voice, this is all the angels in heaven. They're described, they're, they're praising the lamb. Verse 12. And the Bible says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Listen to me very carefully. That means all the power necessary to cause the will of God to be done between the resurrection and eternity is resting with Jesus Christ. He said so in the, um, the last book of Matthew, Matthew 28. And I'm reading from verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go ye therefore. That means there is nothing that requires power that God promises you that is not in the safe hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that means when God has made you a promise, the power to bring it to pass is not in the hands of an unwilling deity. Neither does it have to be wrested from the hands of a wayward angel who we call Satan. It is in the hands of God's perfect son, our brother, Jesus Christ. Now listen to me very carefully. What that means is when God says, I will bring the new into your life and I will exert my power, the power is already in the hands of Jesus. And that means Whatever God wants to do, there are two words that bookend that power. One is, yes, it can happen. And the other one is, amen, let it happen now. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand. Listen to everything else that was given to Jesus. The Bible says all power was given to him. 
the Bible says all riches were given to him. That means whatever needs to be spent or resourced, whatever needs to be poured out for the new to happen is in the hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, that means it's already been given to him. So when God says, this is going to happen to you in your business, your family, your life, your ministry, your calling, and it's a new season, the necessary resources to get it done are already released. Listen to me very carefully. Wisdom, heavenly and earthly wisdom. Strength, the necessary exertion of power. Honor, rank and ability glory the presence and a person of the almighty god blessing where god has made you a promise all of these things are in the hands of jesus christ and he said if the father wills it i'm doing it Come with me to John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. That will be our last verse for today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm watching the time. Um, John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Listen to what Jesus says. So, so let me just recap. As, I, as excited as I am, please hold on. Please understand. What I'm saying is when the Lord says it will take an exertion of power, to bring the new into your life. What the Bible tells us is the amount of power available once you believe God is the same amount that raised Jesus from the dead and made all of this a reality. There is no greater exertion of power because there is no greater impact. I mean, God has not done anything greater than what he has done with Jesus Christ. But he also says, I've now put that power at your disposal. So when I make you a promise, you can be assured that what I promise you will come to pass. Because there's someone who's on your side who's there to make it happen. The person who created everything. John 1 verse 3, the Bible says, by him were all things made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Let's read our last scripture. John chapter 14 verses 12 to 14. And ladies and gentlemen, we we start a little bit late, so I'm taking a tiny bit of, of liberty with, with, with your time. It is 8 o'clock. We'll wrap up at about 8.05 because... We started about 10 minutes late. Our fault, not yours. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that means there's no greater depth of integrity that can be tied to this statement. He said, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my father. We now understand what he was talking about. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will, notice, that will I do. That the father 
may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason I wanted I, I wanted you to understand this tonight, the new can be really daunting. It is something that you may never have seen before. It may not be anything that's ever happened to you, your family, or anybody around you. It may be just a promise. It may be all you have to hold on to is the word of God. And I want you to please, those things that God has said, though the reassurance, the restlessness that you may be feeling, the sense that something has to change, the sense that you're coming to the end of a pattern, a season, the sense that God is about to take you into a new realm, I want you to understand that the necessary power to get it done, to make what has never happened before happen in your life is already in the hands of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, so that God is glorified, I will make sure what you ask in my name is done. And so ladies and gentlemen, I would encourage you, don't let go of the dreams, hopes, and aspirations that the Lord has planted in your life. That doesn't mean you won't have to work for them. You will have to do your part. You will have to make the choices. You're going to have to release the book. You're going to have to ask that person to marry you. You're going to have to literally apply for the job. You're going to have to walk into the business. You're going to have to come back and forgive somebody you're going to have to say that you know what god i'm going to try again you're going to have to believe that what god says over the um what god says over what the doctors say stands true you're going to have to go to the appointments you're going to have to take the medicine i hear you but hear me well the power to make what god said happen to you is already working in your life the new is going to become a reality, whether they like it or not. So, ladies and gentlemen, I really pray that tonight you are comforted. It's important that we realize when the Lord makes these statements, they're not empty. The Lord said, I've already done the groundwork. Your part, just like Mary, just like Abraham, just like Sarah just like joseph all you have to do is believe me the heavy lifting is going to be done by him ladies and gentlemen i pray and as where we are right now i pray that that power and i pray that the power that is in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ extends to you especially if you're believing god for a miracle if you are in a situation, in a life or death situation, and you're believing God for healing, you are believing God for anything that God promises, in the name of Jesus Christ, we can be assured that the necessary power to get it done is be made available to you. Therefore, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be, it may have been hard for you to listen because it, it's a tough time. Things may be a challenge, but God is about to step into your circumstances. May God honestly bless you this week. May God be kind to you in all ways and in all things. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Have a wonderful night. May God bless you and keep you. And I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. 